you can play it safe. You can, you know, stay home. You can wear your seatbelt and your helmet and your, your safety vest and all that kind of thing at all times. And that's great. But, you know, you're, you're missing out on what, on a lot of excitement in life and excitement is a good thing. You know, excitement is, it's a thrill. It's, it's fun. It's, it's something you can share with others. It's something you can inspire others to partake in and see their joy when they experience that. Listening to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to this episode of the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Mode Sports Nutrition. Their website is myfitmode.com myfitmode.com. Mode is a natural sports nutrition company and their vision is to empower athletes of all disciplines to get the most out of their potential while promoting a healthy lifestyle. Um, Yeah, that sounds exactly like the theme of the show. And it is not ironic then that I happen to just love these products. I got hooked on them back in the spring. It started with my obsession with their energy shots. They make both blocks drink mixes as well as pre-mixed drinks. And it was the power drink, specifically the re-energizer shot that made me a true believer. I struggle with muscle cramps in my legs after long, hot endurance events. And whatever it is about these re-energizer shots, I swear it is magic. I've been using these shots for all of my long gravel races this year, as well as long training rides. In fact, Dirty Cans is the perfect example. I had zero muscular cramps anywhere. Triceps, fingers, legs, calves, face, you name it. There were no muscle cramps. And um, I carry these little orange mango tasting shots with me on big rides and during big races. And so far, I have 100% success um, with these products along for the ride. I am also a big fan of the blocks. They make these all natural ingredient energy blocks. They call them raw energy, and they are either blueberry and coconut, mango and apricot, or chocolate and walnut. Quite frankly, they are all my favorite. All of them have just a little bit of energizer in them, usually a little bit of ginseng or something similar, but they are raw energy. You can actually pronounce the ingredients, and they are packaged in these really perfectly sized little plastic wrappers that make it super easy to just grab a couple bites of the bar and then put it back in your pocket. A big believer of these products big believer in this company i love their owner she um just a quick story i ordered online too late to get the product that i needed in time for dirty kanza and i told her how important it was because i was really worried about muscle cramps the owner actually took the time and effort to get those products overnighted to me to my hotel in tiny town emporia kansas and it was a large part of my success at this year's Dirty Kanza race in the single speed. So now I don't let myself go dry. I always make sure I've got some of their product on hand. I'm a huge believer. Check them out. They're offering a discount to our listeners too. If you use the code HOTMAN, H-O-T-T-M-A-N at checkout, you'll save yourself some money. It is all refrigeration required. So it will come to you in a cooler pack and you want to stick that stuff in your fridge as soon as it arrives. Again, check them out on the website, myfitmode.com and use the code HOTMAN, H-O-T-T-M-A-N at checkout to save yourself some cash. 
I am hosting friend and former client, Scott Selke. Scott and I had occasion to meet in the most unfortunate of circumstances by virtue of the fact that I'm an attorney who represents injured cyclists. He was unfortunately hit by a vehicle while he was riding his bike and suffered very, very serious injuries, nearly catastrophic. And for a brief moment in time, he thought that he might be fully paralyzed. And we talk about what life after an event like that looks like. And I so appreciate Scott and his wife Patrice's very purposeful way of living, the way that they seek out vacations and intentionally plan fun and fulfilling and exhilarating things in their lives. And you'll hear him say that it's not about coming home and cracking a beer and um, eating pizza and watching The Simpsons on the couch every day, but rather trying to fill this life up as full as possible and to take that bucket list and dump it out and start tackling those things right now, today, not waiting for some point in the future that may never come, not waiting for some day in the future when we think that things will be perfect to take that trip or that adventure that may never come. And so I just find he and his his wife and their story and their approach to life so inspiring that I asked him to come on and share some of his thoughts. And I learned some new things about them as well. And um, I really just appreciate his authenticity and his, his willingness to be vulnerable and to share some of those experiences and thoughts with you all. So cheers to taking that bucket list, dumping it upside down, assessing the things that come out of that bucket list and making a plan to strategically tackle those things that you want to do in this amazing life with maximum enthusiasm. Experiences, yes. um, e even more so since Patrice and I've been together because she appreciates this kind of thing and, and makes it happen in the form of like birthday presents and, you know, th things like that. I mean, for my 46th birthday, she had me thrown out of an airplane. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we do like to, to take on things like this and, you know, enjoy the heck out of them. And um, we keep trying to find new things to do that we haven't done before, before we repeat anything. Sure. You know, do everything once before anything twice is kind of a motto of ours. Which that's an awesome approach to life in general, because a lot of people aren't even thinking about doing things once. They're just sort of letting their days pass them by. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how many times have I heard somebody say, well, that's on my bucket list. Well, you know, right. pour that bucket out, you know, do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> the bucket time is right now. It's not when you retire. It's not at X age. Uh, for our guests tuning in, and I did click record on you a little bit as a surprise there, Scott. Um, my <laughs> okay. guest today is Scott Selke. Uh, Scott is a friend and a former client of my law firm and someone that just epitomizes maximum enthusiasm, in my opinion. <clears throat> As you heard him just say, bucket lists are, um, that's a silly thing. It should be a life list that you should be tackling on a daily and weekly basis. And Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm very flattered that you invited me and I, I hope that uh, our conversation here has the desired effect. Oh, I absolutely believe that it will. I, I know that it will just because I know you and the experiences that you've had and the, and the stories that you have to share. And um, what we were talking about just there is that Scott and his wife, Patrice, really, man, they go after it. I mean, every time I turn around, I see a picture of Scott doing something or the two of them doing something amazing. Most recently, I saw you were doing the Lookout Mountain hang gliding here in Golden, which is off of Lookout Mountain, correct? 
Correct, it was. Mm -hmm. And what prompted that? Has that always been on your mind? And one day you just said, you know, I'm going for it? Well, actually, hang gliding has been on my mind for quite a long time. Um, I almost did it while I was in Germany, actually, in a place near Munich, but uh, circumstances conspired against me. You know, being in the military, that'll happen sometimes. Sure. Um, but uh, Patrice has known that I have a love of, of doing things that involve uh, this flying um, for quite a long time now. And paragliding is something that I'd never done before. And it was also partly inspired by um, our now departed brother-in-law, Leonard. He passed away back in May of this year, who was an avid paraglider and one of the first to jump off of Lookout Mountain uh, oh, cool. back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, he was well-known in the paragliding community, and the guy that took me up uh, for my birthday this year was a dear friend of Leonard's. And he and I did not know that until actually I contracted with him to do the, the flight. Oh, and wow. it just happened to, yeah, and so it just happened to come out that he knew Leonard, and he's like, I had no idea you were Leonard's brother-in-law. This is going to be an Aww. extra special experience for both of us. Oh, my and, gosh, and I bet it was. Oh, Oh, it, it sure was. I mean, he, um, the guy is a, is a consummate professional at his job. Um, but the, the, the real, the extra cool part about it was just the, the thrill, the experience of going up um, and taking that flight and enjoying the, the thrill and the, the excitement of it. Um, and it, even more so, you know, after my, my injury. So, right. So, yes, I think that's worth mentioning at this point to our listeners who may be sitting there saying, that's cool. You know, I'm going to go do uh, parasailing or hang gliding or skydiving at some point. You know, it's, it's in my bucket list, so to say. Um, I think it's important at this point that we point out that Scott has a lot of hardware in his cervical spine, um, in his neck. And many people would use that as an excuse to sort of stay home and play it even safer than usual. And what I you've actually gone the other direction. You've said, hell no, life is short. I'm doing these things. I'm doing them now. Is that fair? That's more than fair, yes. Um, I've, I've been playfully criticized by a lot of my, my friends and coworkers that are like, you know, shouldn't you be a little more careful? And it's like, are you kidding me? My neck has got rebar in it. I can't break it again. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, no, I'm, I'm even more uh, bulletproof than I used to be. You know, I've, I've always been bulletproof in my own mind, now even more so. And you know what, Scott? Like, not to underappreciate that. I, I mean, I just want to shine light on that because I think that's an intentional choice that a person can make. And we're going to talk about your experience here in a second, but you've decided to live your life that way. And it's up to every single person who's listening to make that decision for themselves as well. I mean, do you have any advice that you would share just as, as to how you got to be in that mindset to begin with? Um, maybe not advice so much as just experience. I mean, it's, it's been my, my experience in life that, you know, you can play it safe. You can, you know, stay home. You can wear your seatbelt and your helmet and your, your safety vest and all that kind of thing at all times. And that's great. But, you know, you're, you're missing out on what, on a lot of excitement in life and excitement is a good thing. You know, excitement is, it's a thrill. It's, it's fun. It's, it's something you can share with others. It's something you can inspire others to partake in and see their joy when they experience that. Um, after my one uh, parachute jump back several years ago, Patrice and I went again the following year. 
And I landed before she did so that I could turn and see her reaction when she hit the ground. And just yeah. that look of, of just joy and triumph and the fist bump that she gave and, and all that, you know, that's, that's worth seeing. That, that enriches both of our lives when those types of things happen. And it has the desired effect of, of that joy. You know, life that is, is just... That's life. Yeah, it, it truly is. I mean, life is just too short not to experience it, not to, you know, try that food that you've never tried before. You know, maybe you'll hate it, maybe you'll love it. If you love it, you've added something else to your life and you've just enriched it. And if you hate it, you can say, hey, I tried it and that was terrible. I'm not doing that again. Right. You know, um, I, I grew up in a military family where we traveled a lot around the world and, you know, I experienced different cultures even in the United States, I mean, moving from Washington State to the Deep South was as much culture shock as moving from Illinois to Germany was. Sure. You know, <laughs> you know no, no, no disparagement intended towards the, the South. No. It's a wonderful part of the country, but it's it's very different than, than right. you know, the Pacific Northwest, for example, or, you know, even Colorado. Right. So do you so. think that that lent itself, that upbringing lent itself to your willingness to be so, um, you know, uh, I guess willing to try new things and honestly just get, like try everything once? Absolutely. Absolutely it did because that's, that was my, my, my growing up. You know, if, if I didn't learn to, to speak a little bit of German while I was in Germany as a child, I wouldn't have had very many friends. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who, who wants to be lonely, you know? Um, right. you know, same thing. I, I never made it over to Asia, but a lot of my friends that I grew up around had, you know, and same thing, you know, they, they had to learn how to navigate a different culture in order to have a, a good existence as a child. And, you know, and, and not all of them did, you know, some of my friends were very bitter about the fact that they didn't have roots, ah. you know, and so, um, in a way, I, I kind of miss not having the kind of roots that, that, you know, growing up in the same town provides a person. But at the same time, I think that that variety of life is just, it's in my blood now. That's how I was raised. And so that's contributed to my um, appreciation of doing fun things like, you know, riding a bike down Deer Creek Canyon at 40 miles an hour. Right. You know, right. that's, 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 a, that's fun. That's, that's a thrill. That's the reward for climbing up Deer Creek Canyon in the first place. You know. I've always loved this about you, Scott, and I, I sort of sense this from the moment that we met, um, is that you have a more intentional appreciation for things that bring you joy than the average person. In other words, you're just so plugged into your life and the things around you that you are really aware of this thing right now, it's bringing me joy, and I really like it, and I'm going to seek that out more. Um, do you know where did that come from, just this constant pursuit of things that, that bring you happiness? Um, I credit a lot of that to my marriage to Patrice, honestly. Um, Patrice came from very humble beginnings, and she took it upon herself to um, elevate her life above that. You know, she didn't want to live in a, uh, a disadvantaged life, her entire life. And she pulled herself up. She you know, forced herself through school. She married a, a guy who supported her originally before me. And okay. helped helped her to achieve these kind of goals and position herself to do the kinds of things that she enjoys. And when she and I got together, um, that that chemistry, you know, my love of variety and and different things, combined with her drive to sure. enjoy things, you know, that that was a very synergistic combination. And that's a good combination. Yeah. 
It's a terrific combination, yeah. And and me coming, my marriage prior to Patrice's was not a uh, not a healthy one. Although I will say it, it did direct me into cycling because that was my mental health uh, tool. Sure. Sure. You know, get, getting out on rides, it's it was as much mental as it was physical health yeah. that that led to that. So you know, I, I can be thankful for that part. But um, well, it's good that, that you found one another. Exactly. Yeah. And so with her, she not only um, encourages this types of thing, our relationship makes it possible because she loves it as much as I do. And together we have the means to explore and do these kinds of things. You know, if I if I could ask our listeners, I guess, to take away one thing from this talk and they're going to take away several, but it would be just that, Scott, that you and Patrice are on this very intentional path towards pursuing things that bring you joy and happiness. And you don't always know if they're going to or not. I'm sure you've done plenty of epic adventures that you thought were going to be awesome. And they actually just didn't really light you up that much, but you tried them. And I bet the ones that do bring you joy, you're acutely aware of it in the moment. And I guess, I guess my point is there's just such a level of intentionality there because I know plenty of people with financial means who don't make the effort to pursue those things. They sit comfortably sort of letting their days pass them by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you see that often too, but, but you guys go after it. It's really cool. <laughs> we, we do. Yeah. Again, we don't let any moss grow under our feet. We're just, no. um, you know, we, we also recognize we're not getting any younger and the time to do these kinds of things is while we still can. Absolutely. And we're, Absolutely. we're not going to let a thing like, you know, my, my crash affect that. Right. You know, once, once the recovery was over, I was bugging the neurosurgeon, you know, when can I get back on a bike? You know, not, right. not, can I, it's like, okay, doc, when, when, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to take no for an answer. Just tell me when I can. Right. And he himself being a cyclist, he, he appreciates the, the passion for cycling. And so he, he guided me very carefully through that and said, you know, starting in, you know, March, you know, five months after the crash, you can ride a trainer all you want. And then, you know, come May get back out on a bike, but just be careful. And all of that just speaks to you at your very core and your essence, um, Scott, which is just that you're so you're so alive. And so let's talk about that a little bit because there was that dark moment that was a blip on the the timeline of Scott Selke, the lifeline, um, where things seemed pretty uncertain there for a period of time. So do you want to talk a little bit about what happened and, and kind of how you recovered from all of that? Okay. Well, um, in short, I was badly injured in a collision between a, a car and myself and my bicycle back in September of last year and broke my neck in a couple of places. Um, was very, very temporarily paralyzed while I was lying on the ground immediately after the crash. And those were a very scary couple of minutes because I was thinking back to my brother-in-law who had broken his neck in a backcountry skiing accident and was paralyzed from mid-chest on down. And so um, that, of course, was was paramount in my thoughts. But um, fortunately, there was a doctor right behind me on his bicycle who immediately came up and, and started helping me, um, you know, keeping me um, calm and, and giving me some diagnostics while he was waiting for the ambulance to arrive. And after a couple of minutes, I was able to actually start moving my toes again. Ooh. So that was when the, you know, the real moment happened because being able to move my toes, that's the furthest part of my brain. So if I can move those, then it's not as bad as I had feared. 
Um, but the news was not as good as I'd hoped when I got to the hospital and they took their, their test and said, you've got a broken neck and we're going to have to fuse you. And so right. you're, you're going to lose a lot of mobility in your neck. And yeah, they, they were, in my opinion, he underplayed the amount of loss, <laughs> probably just to gain my consent. But um, it was the right move because uh, the end result has been quite good. And so yeah. I, I've got no, no lasting impairment other than that loss of mobility. And I'll tell you, I'll trade that for how it could have been. Right. So. Right. And um, still work. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Everything works. I can paddle. I can use both arms. Um, you know, everything is, is working like it should. So um, could have been a much worse outcome yeah. than it was. And for that, I'm enormously grateful and will never complain about the uh, loss of mobility in my neck. And to your point earlier, it wasn't, am, am I going to ride a bike again? Has this scared me so much I'm not ever going to ride a bike out there in the world again? Uh, you know, some people would absolutely understandably just decide to sort of stay home and play it safe. And um, and instead, you said, when when can I ride? And you were approved to start riding inside five months after your surgery, right? Correct. Or five weeks, I mean. Uh, five months, yeah. So he, he wanted me to, to not do anything for about four to five months to really let the, the healing happen. Um, and then, you know, limited action after that. And then after, I think he said six months was the, uh, the deadline to actually get back onto a real bicycle and start riding again. And then to your wife's credit, you know, a lot of, a lot of spouses would say, oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that was definitely nervous and I completely understand that but you both reached a really healthy compromise we we have um she knew that that telling me that she would be uncomfortable with me ever writing again would lead to a lot of strife in our relationship because she knows how important it is you know being a an avid cyclist herself um yeah. bicycling is one of the things that brought us together you know when we when we first met we were talking about our, our various likes and and things we enjoyed doing and it turns out we were both cyclists and so um, she knows and appreciates how important it is and would not have even thought of trying to take that away. However, okay. she did make me agree to never ride on a road without a wingman. Yes. Yes. So we've actually modified that original agreement a little bit. Now I can ride as long as I have a wingman. Okay, I like that. I, I do too. I'm okay with that. And that's, that's a, a graduation from the original agreement, which was no road riding period. Right. And I remember you telling me you'd get in your car to drive the mile to the trailhead that you were riding so that you didn't have to ride it. Right, because she would have been mad as a wet hen if I had tried to, to ride even that short <laughs> distance because it was on that stretch where I was originally injured, you right. know, coming back from right. the trailhead. So um, so now you've got a new deal in order. And, and talk a little bit about that bicycle that you bought that allows the two of you to ride together. Oh, so we looked at a, a regular upright tandem bike and found that it wasn't a good match for us. We just didn't have the synchronicity um, to use that. So we actually found a tandem recumbent trike at a awesome. local shop here in Inglewood, um, any and all bikes. And being a trike, of course, it's a very, very stable bike. Um, the only yeah. downside to it is it sits very low, so we have a very tall flag that we keep on it at all times. Um, That's a good idea. And it's it's a fantastic bike. It's a tandem. It has independent pedaling, so we don't have to be in sync with one another to pedal it comfortably. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, um, a really amazing bit of engineering. I'm not sure how they pulled that off, but uh, it does have... I guess I didn't realize that, but that's actually really, really smart. One of you can be coasting. <laughs> exactly, and she typically does. You know, she has her pina colada in one hand and, you know, her feet up on the back of my seat. And, um... <laughs> and you know what? Everyone gets what they need that way. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it has that independent pedaling, which makes it even that much easier for us to ride together. And Absolutely. the best part is, is being so stable, she doesn't have to use her hands to ride this thing. So we take our dogs with us. Right. We, we put them on and a... And they run alongside you or behind you, or how does that work? They, they run alongside. Um, I'm in charge of operating the bike. She's in charge of managing the dogs. And... Our first real big ride on that was the Ride of Silence down in Woodland Park back in, I want to say it was June of this yeah. year that, okay. that we did that. And the, the Ride of Silence um, is it's around the world, actually. It started in the U.S. and it's graduated around the world, and it's in recognition of cyclists that have been hurt or killed while cycling. And it, it's exactly that. It's a ride where nothing is spoken for the entire ride other than, of course, you know, safety signals or that kind of thing. Um, okay. as a as a solemn uh, memorial to riders that have been hurt and killed on their bicycles. And you were asked to speak as well. And if I recall, part of what you talked about was the fact that you were absolutely going to get back on a bike. In other words, you were encouraging people that despite some of the, the bad things that could potentially happen, you still very much encourage people to be out on their bikes. Well, again, absolutely. I mean, it's... Um, yes, I was asked to speak by the organizer. She had originally contacted me about a different ride, and when I told her that I couldn't do that ride for um, because of the agreement about not riding on roads, that's when she told me about the, the ah. ride of silence. And I said, I can absolutely make that happen. You know, there's there's no you know Patrice and I would find a way to, to modify our agreement at least for that ride. And the, yep. the tandem bike was the answer to that. It's like we'll ride that together. Perfect. And so that that did work out really well, and it was a very meaningful um, experience as well, not only giving that that talk to the other riders, um, but just participating in that ride. And that's something I intend to do every year going forward. Very cool. So they, they do one you know, in, in Denver as well. And it's usually, you said, in, in June, correct? There's a very specific date that they do it. Um, I'm trying to remember what date that is. It's like the second... Sunday of June, um, Woodland. Everywhere across the world. Right, right. So let me look that up real quick, and I'll give you the exact specifications. But that's um, that was my first experience with that, and it was really good to share my experience with those folks, and, and it also gave them a face of the purpose of that ride. You know, many of them knew people that had been hurt or, or killed on their, their bikes, but... Um, you know, I was actually able to, to be there amongst them in this case. Well, and not to go back to something that's, um, I mean, it certainly is negative and, and traumatic in, in the sense that none of us want those types of things happening to us or someone that we care about. Um, but there is an upside to that moment when you're not quite sure whether you're going to live, what the new life's going to look like. You said that you couldn't feel your limbs for a couple minutes. Um, there's some insight that comes with that type of experience that the average bear doesn't have. And I suspect it gives you a whole new um, vision for what you want the rest of your life to look like. And so 
um, if you could share some thoughts about, you know, you said those two, two minutes on the ground, I bet those were just an absolute eternity. Um, two minutes seems short, but I bet that was just an eternity on the ground. Are there things that you thought to yourself, I wish I would have done X, or if I make it out of this, I'm going to go do Y, or, um, you know, how does your life look differently as a result of that experience? Well, uh, you're, you're right in that, you know, it's, it was kind of a, you know, life flashing before me kind of moment. Um, I can't say that I had any specific things that came out to me. Like, you know, I, if I get up and walk away from this, I've got to go do this before, you know, I get hurt in a way that prevents it. I didn't have any specific experiences like that, but it was a very general feeling of, you know, how is my life going to be different if I am in fact paralyzed and, that was a, a really scary thought um, since I'd had a lot of experience dealing with my brother-in-law who had been paralyzed, you know, and seeing the kinds of things that he had, had gone through and the, the trials that he was facing. And, um, you know, we, we had no idea what it, the life of a paralyzed person looks like. It's, it's a lot more than just being stuck in a wheelchair. There's a, there's a lot of other physical complications that go along with that, um, that condition. And we had no idea, you know, until we saw what, what Leonard was going through. Um, okay. the, the phantom pains, the, the, I mean, there's a whole myriad of, of, of problems that, that go along with that, that change your existence and make it very hard to enjoy life. Right. You know, Leonard himself was a source of inspiration to me in that he went paragliding in his wheelchair last year. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's an organization in Utah that specializes in, in handicapped paragliding, and he was able to go out there and take advantage of their their services and went flying. And just the smile on his face was, you, you, you can't put a price on it. Um, and so my, my big fear lying there on the ground like that was that, you know, that was my last bike ride. That was my last time walking, my last time doing anything you know, snorkeling, um, right. just walking, right. walking around a foreign city, taking in their sights and their experiences. And so, you know, when I learned that I was actually going to be fine, it's like, you know, we, we need to, to take this and hit the ground running and keep doing these kinds of things. You know, it, it, right. for, for us, it wasn't so much, you know, we've got to do these things. It's, we've got to keep doing these things. Mm-hmm. Sure, I could see how the initial period after that, you're like gangbusters and doing all these things, and then maybe for some people that that drive starts to kind of wear off or drop off as time starts to sort of help you forget. Um, but instead, I don't think that that's what's happened for you guys at all. In fact, I think you're charging even more so into this purposeful, amazing, intentional life. Um, is there a way that you could describe how you approach your life now that differs from how you approached your life back then? In other words, are you less concerned about um, finances? Are you less concerned about doing things only after you retire? Are you more living in the now? Are you scheduling things like once a month at the minimum or how does that work? Well, I won't say that we've got an organized schedule where we you know, say we're going to do you know X number of things this year or um, you know anything quite like that. It's not that, that rigid. Um, we, we tend to be kind of spontaneous in things that we do. Um, we have always had a, a very healthy travel budget built in. We contribute, you know, significant chunks of our salary to a, a travel budget that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, you know, we're paying ourselves first on that one, you know? And so, um, 
like this year alone, we've been to Belize twice already. We're going again in November. We're going to Mexico with you in December. Um, we're going to Arizona later this month for a wedding. So, you know, we, we do a lot of travel and we're keeping that up. Um, we still plan bike rides. We still do charity rides every year. Uh, we did the great hospital ride earlier this year, the two of us. So um, we, again, you know, we're not adding things to our list because our list is already pretty full. We're just making sure that the list didn't get any smaller as a result of, of my crash. So we're, we're still hitting it pretty hard and enjoying it as, as much as we possibly can. And um, we, well, for one thing, we did buy that house in Belize, which is, you right. know, a, a big thing for us. It's going to give us another uh, regular place to travel to and, and so you know, and go snorkeling and, and so on and enjoy all the kinds of things that Belize has to offer, which is considerable. Yeah. So, you know, and just it'll be a base for us to travel around Central America, which, you know, we're both very much looking forward to. That is so cool. You know, Scott, you're one of the only people, in fact, I don't know that I've ever talked to someone else who has said that my family and my household, we have a travel budget where we pull out an amount from our paycheck and set it aside for that. I really, really appreciate that. And I bet, I bet that that's made a huge difference in terms of the, the prioritization of getting away and taking those trips. I mean, I just know so many people that don't even use up their full three weeks of vacation time every year. <laughs> I just think Travis... Whereas you're probably, I mean, I bet you use every day that you've got and you probably could use more if you were given it at your job. Oh, you're darn right I would. I have to carefully manage my, my vacation time because it's <laughs> as, as, as generous as my company is, it's still not enough. Sure. You know, if, if I, Which I just appreciate that. I mean, just that approach to life and saying, I'll, I'm going to use up as much vacation time as I get. Whereas I just think there are so many people who think they just can't get away and, you know, life they work can't survive without them and they just don't grant themselves the benefits that happen when you get cleanly and clearly away from work and from your day to day and, and, and go away and do something wild and different at, at the risk of sounding recharged. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At, at the risk of sounding selfish, I'm going to say that, you know, work can take care of itself. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. fortunate enough to be, you know, just, just one, one person on a team and, you know, much as I like to think I'm, I'm indispensable, I, I kind of like being dispensable. Totally. <laughs> um, well, I really love that, Scott, because I think so many people do inflate their sense of self-importance within the work context when the reality is the work is going to be fine and the rest of the team and the, and the employment situation is going to be just fine if they go ahead and go away for a while. And actually, everyone will benefit by virtue of that person getting away and recharging and coming back. You know, we don't do ourselves any good when we don't take vacations. Exactly. And, you know, I... Um... I like to think that I've structured my my presence in my job such that they can get along without me in that, you know, I've documented all the important processes and I've got good, you know, cross training with my other team members so that, you know, in the right. event that I'm gone, you know, life continues and they'll be okay. And my being out of work for three months after the crash only proved that. That's awesome. That's a sign of a really healthy organization. It and just a healthy mindset on your part. It, it is a sign of a healthy organization, and I credit my, my boss and my team for you know being as, as strong as they are in that respect. And um, just the fact that I know that I can be gone, that was proven, you know, and I and, and right. I can come right back and, and pick up where I left off. You know, that again makes it possible for me to take off and enjoy these this time away, without worrying about what's going on back at the office. They'll be fine. They proved right. it. 
I really, really appreciate that you're saying these things because um, the image that's coming to mind for me is that Scott Selke lives his life. He does not work to live, um, nor does he live to work. He lives his life. And work is a part of that, and that's how you earn your income and how you earn your travel budget. But, but it, um, And it's important, and we all need to have a job and, and so forth, but it, it's not the center of your being. At all, and I really like. That. No, it, it's not. And as, as much as I love what I do, I hate work. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is work after all. Someone's paying you to do something, right? <laughs> I, I love my job, and it's a very meaningful and and, and noble job. You know, I, I work for a mental health hospital, um, yeah. and so you know, our whole mission is to help people, and I'm I'm very much on board with that. I, I think, other than having been in the military, it's the most noble profession, noble position I've, I've ever had professionally. Um, but that said, I would much rather be out doing something exciting or, or enriching than, you know, yeah. grinding away at, at, at the job. Yeah. Right. So. I think that's just so healthy, too. I, I really appreciate the fact that you have these sort of clear boundaries as I see them, um, whereas I see so many other people's boundaries get muddled and work starts to spill into their personal time and their vacations and they would be down in Belize but they would be checking back in with the office because they would think that people can't get along without them or they have to keep checking in with, you know, make sure that things are done or micromanaging their team or whatever. And then I hear you say, you know, look, I'm here to do a job and it's a job and so, but I'd rather not be working, of course, but I, I need to earn some income. But but when I'm gone, I'm really gone, and I really do check out, and my team's just fine. And I think you're a better person for that, Scott, because we all do better when we go on vacation. We truly give ourselves the chance to recharge and come back. Uh, that, that decompression is important. It, it truly is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I suspect you're more present, too, because I bet you're present when you're at work because you're at work. And then when you're not at work, I bet you're present with the people and the things that you're doing away from work. And I think... That's really important as well. Well, well, sure, and I've got the freedom to have that type of, um, uh, I can't think of a good word for it, not, not participation, but um, just that, that level of connection with people around me because I'm not distracted by other yeah. things. Exactly. I've, I've got that ability to, to focus and concentrate on, on whatever the, the task at hand is, whether that's exploring a new city or you know, uh, some type of adventurous activity or what have you. You know, there's nothing else in the back yeah. of my mind saying, you know, you really should be worried about this. It's, it's, it's just not right. there. Right. But that doesn't happen by accident. That's a choice. And, and so I wish, you know, I, I hope that our listeners will take away some something from just that in itself, which is that that's an intentional, purposeful choice that you make to have these clear boundaries in your life between what you're focusing on and, um, you know, work doesn't spill over into all facets of your personal life, which I really like. Um, and so, Scott, if you were going to impart some advice on listeners, and, and it can be absolutely based on experience, or you can call it advice, either one, but if you were to try and just encourage listeners to live a life that's close to the one that you've adopted, which is just this very, you know, fun and, um, and exhilarating, um, seeking, purposeful life, you know, what advice would you give people to go out and make it happen? Um. First thing I would say is don't don't fear change, embrace it. You know, change, mm -hmm. change is inherently scary to a lot of people, and there's there's value in fear as long as it's used properly. You know, I think that you know fear puts into you a um, 
a heightened sense of awareness, a heightened state of sense, period. And when you go out seeking change, you know, you're, 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 making, you're putting that fear to good use. You're pointing it in the right direction. You're, you're giving yourself a, a good experience at the end of it all. You know, and fear right. can come in many, many forms, whether it's hurtling down a hill at, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour on a bike or, or poking a hole in the sky in the, underneath a paraglider or even just going into a different city and trying a food you've never tried before. You know, look at the show Fear Factor. What was one of the worst things they did? They made people eat right. icky things, you know, to try to overcome that fear. And right. so it comes in a lot of forms. And at the end of it all, I think you're a richer person for it. And especially when you share it with someone that's important to you. Because you're both coming out of it that much stronger, better, more enriched. And it's just, it's a better life in the end. You can look back on it and say, wow, look at all the cool stuff that we've experienced. And to me, that is so much better than coming home, plopping down in front of the TV, pizza and a beer and Simpsons on TV. You know, forget it. I mean, there's a time and place for that, but that shouldn't be your, your core existence, you know. No, not your everyday. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So um, don't let obstacles deter you from doing things that are going to add that enrichment to your life. You know, or... And then I have a follow-up question for you that's a far more specific, and you don't have to tell me actual numbers, obviously, but when you started charting out how you were going to set up your travel budget... Um, did you, did you and Patrice both start by saying, you know what, our travel is worth, it's so important to us that we're going to set aside 5% of our paychecks every month, or would you plan your trips and then budget according to those? Or do you just always take out like the same percent, every paycheck, no matter what? Currently we're set up to where we take the same amount out of every paycheck. And we've arrived at that number just through the experience, um, of the travels that we've taken in the past and what they cost us. And so we try to have a base amount at hand to continue to travel at that level. Okay. Um, yeah. And so we, we, of course, modify that as necessary. Like for the trip to Peru earlier this year for Patrice's birthday, that was a, you know, a milestone birthday kind of thing. It was her 60th. And so that trip was going to be significantly more expensive because we went special on that one. So in addition to the base amount that we would normally withhold from our checks for travel, I added an extra amount out of my own pay to make this birthday extra special for her to make that happen. And I'm thinking about that and I'm thinking like there's kind of a, uh, you know, I don't want to say penny pincher, but there's, there's definitely a part of me that likes to watch my bank accounts grow. And so I could see where I would set aside a travel budget and then I would still be somewhat resistant or hesitant to spending it. Um, do you all have a commitment that you basically want to excavate that account at the end of every year? <laughs> that hasn't been a problem. Um, we've, uh, <laughs> there's, in fact, there's been most years we have to supplement that account. So um, it's, for us, it's a good starting point. Um, we're not afraid to go beyond what's in there if we can comfortably afford to do so by you know, robbing from some other um, account of some kind. Sure. So that, that to us is a solid base. And um, normally we say within that budget on, on a typical year, um, but there have been times where we've had a little bit of extra left over and we'll take that and just go away for a weekend. Oh, I love yeah. that. 
the fact that you don't just say, oh, let's save that to next year, you'll actually say, no, there's money in the account. Let's go use it right and, now. And sometimes it does carry over. And sometimes it's like, hey, let's just go up into the mountains for a weekend or let's go, you know, we haven't been to New Orleans. Let's go down to New Orleans for you know, a four day weekend, you know, something to that effect. Well, a lot of times at the end of the year, that that account is either zeroed out or slightly overdrawn. So, that's great. And that's that's by design. You know, we, we don't just sit on it and say, ah, well, you know, whatever, we'll do it next year. Nope. More yeah. op, more often than yeah, not, it's no it's spent. So. Yeah. I really admire that and respect it. I really, I really, really do. I think our whole society, American society, would benefit so much with a little bit more of that, a little bit more rest and sleep and a little bit more proper yep. vacation um, with with that money being spent as a priority in terms of a reinvestment in ourselves instead of it sometimes being seen as a luxury or, you know, um, something that we should not spend. I think that's, it's an important investment in us. It, <laughs> it's really it, important. It is. It truly is. And Patrice and I are both horribly jealous of the Europeans and the Asians because their society puts a much higher value on vacation time than ours does. Yeah. You know, your, your, your typical, yeah. You know, simple laborer in Europe gets like six weeks of vacation a year. Right, right. As a starting uh, point. Yeah, as a starting yeah. point. You know, we, we bump into these folks when we travel and, you know, we're going to be here for three weeks and then we're going there for two weeks. And it's like, right. oh, how can you guys do that? <laughs> well, they, they, they can right. because their culture recognizes the importance of that, that kind of downtime. And, and they have a generous amount of vacation, you know, by our standards. You two both keep leading by example and inspiring those around you, myself included, to make more intentional, purposeful time to take proper vacations. And I think you'll, you'll continue to change lives and change your communities and your workplaces by doing that. Um, one final question I really like to ask my guest, Scott, and it's a bit sad, but it's also just, um, I think, insightful as to what what our why is and what our purpose on this earth is. And we talk about soul purpose in another episode. But as you look towards the end of your life at your legacy or perhaps at, at someone giving your eulogy at your funeral, um, when you look back over your life, what is it that you hope they'll say about you or what's the legacy that you hope to leave behind? Oh, that's a pretty heavy question. Um, yeah. I will say that I hope that people look at my life as a life well-lived and I hope that they will see um, that I spent it well in the company of people that, that I loved and that loved me. And mm. having, because I think that, that part of our purpose here is to be here for each other. You know, that, that may sound cliche yeah. or corny or what have you, but I think that, um, you know, human beings weren't meant to be solitary creatures. We we're, we're pack animals in a way. And right. even better, the pack we choose than the one we're, we're born into, because that's, you, know, you, you can't tell who you're born to, um, but but you can choose right. who to be around. And so um, I'd like to think that, you know, having chosen to be around the right people, I can make their lives better and I can draw from their experiences. And so that's what I would like to see people say at the, at the end of my day when they're scattering my ashes over Mount Rainier. Yeah. I like it. Is that is that your hope? Is that in your will, your plan? That's in my plan. Um, I need to take Patrice to the exact spot, but uh, I've, I've got a spot in mind oh. on Mount Rainier. I spent part of my childhood growing up in western Washington and came to really love that mountain. Um, 
So that's that's where I want to be scattered when the time comes. And I'd like for whoever is there to say, you know, he did good. I love it, Scott. Uh, and and as I said, I, I don't mean for these topics to be morbid or depressing. I, I'm a big believer in Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. Just like as an athlete, when we pick a bike event and we train towards it and we work towards it with a goal in mind, I think life is a lot the same where we can begin with the end in mind, that vision that we have for our end of days, and then work backwards in terms of structuring the life that's going to get us there. And so I really appreciate what you say about the relationships that you have in your life. I don't think it's cliche at all. I do think that's a really great purpose to have in life is to touch the people around you and similarly to have relationships with people that touch you in a really significant way. So I think that's a wonderful legacy. And um, just know that you are touching people already and you've certainly touched me in my life and you and your wife are just such sources of inspiration to me. And I can't wait to spread your message with other people via this podcast. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful that, again, that you invited me to participate in this. It's, um, <laughs> I have to admit, it was a little nerve-wracking at first. You know, I hadn't hadn't planned sure. on, on this crash turning into a, an opportunity to, to be put in front of people on multiple occasions. But uh, <laughs> I'm... Crazy how it, that works, it, though, isn't it? It's crazy it, it how is. That works. It is. And I, I hope that I can continue to, to be an inspiration. Um, real quick, just to summarize, I also, on the anniversary of my crash, posted on Facebook what I've done since the crash. And, and I was telling Great. people, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this to brag, you know, okay, maybe just a little, but, you know, hiking Huayna Picchu and, and bike rides and, and paragliding and all those kinds of things. It's like, come on, people, get up, get out there and, and, and do stuff, you know, just enjoy life, take advantage of it. Because you only get one ride on this, you only get one ride on this roller coaster as far as we know. So make it count. Yeah. Make it count. count. Well, thank you for sharing that message and shining your light so bright, Scott. I sure appreciate you. And I really, again, appreciate your time today. And um, we will include some content for our viewers on the website, maybe a couple pictures of you. And we'll definitely share some links to some things that you've mentioned, um, that ride of silence being one of them for sure. And, um, I look forward to following you and Patrice and all your exciting adventures. To thank come. you so much. And thank you for, for this opportunity. I mean, what you do here with maximum enthusiasm is, is fantastic. And um, please keep it up. It's, it is a, a really, really good right. thing. Cool. Well, thanks. I'm glad you enjoy it. I think the world can just use a little bit more positivity. So that's my <laughs> goal right now is to just share that. And I've got these amazing people in my life that I want to share with everyone. So um, excellent. Anyway. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you so Have much. You as well. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hotman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.